Convenue, and welcome to the bonus episode of Conversations, the unofficial Versailles-related podcast. I am Philippe Duc d'Orléans himself, Alexander Vlahos, and I'm joined by my brother. Louis Fourteenth, Le Roi, George Blagden. Hello. And so, to celebrate this year's 10th anniversary, we are inviting our special guests, uh every episode to help us take a deep dive into the hit Canal Plus, Netflix and BBC TV show. Behind the curtain, conducting their own grand levier, our very own personal pocket bon ton and newcomer in the Chateau Corridors, producer Nikki Erdl. So what to say about this week's guests? Alex, they're, well, they're both exceptional wow. writers with their work spanning decades in television, including the incredible spooks, mm-hmm. and criminal minds, to name just a few. Uh, uh, without them, there wouldn't have been a show, George. So please welcome the Versailles showrunners, Simon Mirren and David Wollstonecroft. Well done. Well, hello. 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 It's so nice to see you. It's <laughs> it is absolutely gorgeous to see your two faces. And George, I haven't even said hello yet. Don't worry, mate. (laughs) (laughs) We went straight into it. We went straight into it. But yeah, it's great. It's honestly when I was trying to I was just talking to David before you joined, Simon. When was the last time the four of us were actually in the flesh together? Um, I think that would would have been probably for some kind of uh, event afterwards. Right. I don't know. I I think New York, maybe New York. York. Yeah, yeah, New York. New York. I, I think I, that weird, that crazy, um, that crazy week that we had. Cabaret. Yeah, yeah that was interesting. <laughs> Wasn't it in the? It was in the box, right? It was the last, yeah. the last of the, the, the. I remember every place that we went to was began with the B. It was like the Bataclan. It was all these Bs, and then we ended in the box, right? Do you remember George and Helen was there? Simon, your, your auntie. I know. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> And also, it was produced by an actor, wasn't it? Yeah, Billy Zane, Titanic's Titanic. famous yeah. Billy Zane was the was the guy that was producing. Yeah, he produced that. Wow. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. The whole... he, 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 that was a revelation. This this sort of social producer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were sort of on the Titanic at the same time, which is never a good idea. <laughs> no, he's brilliant, obviously, really, but uh, it was great. It, it was. Um, uh, we had this Louis the Fourteenth meal, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, no. uh, extremely long dinner. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. We did. George, did you did you go full method and do the the peas with the hands? Oh, or was seven birds within a bird within a bird. <laughs> it's hard um, to get them to fly in the same direction, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember that meal. <laughs> Crazy was um, like a weekend yeah. or like a week of weird events in New York. Lovely. Yeah, it was not well after that week. I have to say, it was yeah. too much for me. Yeah, I, um, you know, I just wanted to jump in and just think. Right, so we're obviously celebrating ten years. Ten years since Versailles started filming in two thousand and fourteen. Uh, question for you, David, and for you, Simon, retrospectively: Can you believe it's been ten years? Does it feel like it's been ten years since Versailles? Simon. Oh, um, you know, it's funny. Um, uh, yeah, it does and it doesn't. I feel like it, sometimes it feels like it, another lifetime ago. Um, sometimes it feels like a week ago. Um, and, you know, it was such an extraordinary, special experience 
I, I do know that I fully appreciated it when it was because I knew it would it would it, 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 it very rarely do you get to be a part of something like that. So I really I really I ate it and I drank it and I loved it and I lived it and it was amazing and, it, and particularly because it was a, particularly because of David that was a, just an enormous dream of mine to work with David again and we we you know this was so special for us. Um but yeah and no, when you say 10 years a decade that's kind of crazy. I mean, from a writer's point of view, it's actually 12 years, because obviously when I first heard about Versailles, it was I was in New York, living in New York, and I was editing The Escape Artist with David Tennant, and uh, Simon called me out of the blue. Uh, well, not out of the blue, we're in constant contact, but... <laughs> Just a random call from this, Simon, this Simon, number. Simon is Ali's comment. He'll also, like, arrive, although... Anyway, and... Um, it's like, do you know anything about Louis the Fourteenth? It's like, well, I studied him at university, um, <laughs> and it's sort of so. It is, but it's true. It's ten years since we were all together in Vaudevacombe and all these extraordinary. I mean, that for me, I have to say, is probably apart from I met my wife on the on the shoot, and and I'm I'm a very very lucky man to be sort of um, happily married um, to a French woman. I, I would say that the that experience of doing basically like world tour of chateaus within 50 miles of contractual crew related ability to hit from paris is a unique human experience you just don't get that anywhere else in, in any of in, in our job we always you know you're always doing a tour of sets but that experience of sitting in these monuments these amazing homes these all the history there just being surrounded by it next to my my brother simon and you amazing people were just it's one of the happiest memories of my life mm. oh, yeah. we should end we should end the podcast now shouldn't we yeah. <laughs> <Not there. laughs> on that on that bombshell um amazing because we've, we've done sorry no, I was gonna say, we, we've obviously done jobs since and uh um, yeah I, I, I i'm acutely aware of like yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> works Let's make that very clear. <laughs> I, <laughs> Let's just be very clear about that. No, I, I'm I'm giving that context because, uh, like every job I've done in my career before and after, um, everyone on the job has this defense mechanism. Usually, particularly the people who created it, of not saying it's the best thing in the world. Do you know what? I, it's like a normal thing for us in our industry to kind of be like. I don't know what this thing Game of Thrones is. We'll shoot a few episodes, but mm, we. And I remember from day one, you both, well, saying what you've said now, just being like, "This is this is as good as it gets." Well, it was, but it, but it, but it was a first, and it was one of the things yeah. that put me. Uh, and I, and I was already under contract and in a deal, and it was, you know, it just looked like something that no one should do. Like, yes, absolutely. You know, and like, you know, yeah, leave America, you know, leave the system, go to France and as an Englishman with my English brother and write something we're just going to get insulted for doing. Um, take <laughs> the English king and then write him in with, you know, an Englishman from South East London comes to write this extraordinary shut this extraordinary story about these two brothers, you know, actual brothers. Um and you just know that you know they're going to have a go at us for doing it, but 
what an extraordinary story and of course i i just fell in love with the brothers of it all and just what they did so that was that was why i went into it first but it was it was always so we were there first doing it and and, and i did say to both of you you know never for please never forget this moment right now because this is so rare these things come along and I'm, you know, and I'm saying it to two twenty-somethings, you know, who uh, are young in their beginnings, and and uh, you know, and I know this is gonna, this is gonna have all kinds of emotional ramifications, and things that will live them live with them for a long time, you know, and you know, so do you, you, were you were you both? Uh, this is gonna sound really uh, like, I guess, to the point, but were you both? Did you both realize? how much you were putting on our shoulders as a, as a 26 and a 24 year old, me and George talks, talked about it in the last ep together. And we've spoken about it since about mm. how under prepared, not in terms of the acting ability. It was nothing, never about what we could portray on screen, but it was in terms about the responsibility of carrying a show. And, you know, you guys. That's why we you cast know, you. You can't separate the two. I mean, you have to understand one of the original pitches with Simon and I sitting in this, room at Canal Plus was like, these are 20 something billionaires sitting in this house. And how well is that going to go? Answer, debatable, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's going to go up and it's going to go down. I was and just wondering. knowing you guys, when you're casting somebody, Simon and I do this a lot. You're casting a person who's playing a role. You're not just casting a puppet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was watching Napoleon and I was sort of, you know, Wackham is one of my favourite actors, but I just, his age never changes. And I realised, you know, it, around, in the early part of the first battle, he was in his late 20s. So so when I, when we all saw you both and, you know, um, it's a really, it's a really, it's a really interesting, deep moment when you look at that and, and, you, and you have to decide on these two uh, young men to be the leads of this show in something that no one's done before and they're going to do it in English, right? So did we feel that this was going to be a lot on you? Absolutely. Did I want it to be a lot on you? Absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to take George to a boxing ring and teach him to fight because it was like if he was a king, they teach him to fence, you know what I mean? So I just... And I do remember when I got to the gym, I said, you can you can do anything, but you can't hit him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and so, so yeah, so absolutely, 100%. I, I, I personally felt it was a lot on you. And, but when I listened to your the first podcast, there was a lot. Listening to your point of view on it was really enlightening. And, and you know, and I felt, you know, you know, in that moment, slightly responsible for that, and well, like, but that was never the that was never the point, was it, George? It was never it was never to sort uh, of like to, to cast to cast light on it. it. Was it just you can only talk about your own experiences, and and I want to sort of bring it back a little bit because this on the very first episode, the very first two episodes, like they counted as a pilot together of season one. It's there's four names written by or story by on that on that on that first two episodes and that's because the script didn't originally the the characters and the the, the some plot points weren't originally from the both of you they were from two other writers is that right can I, I'm a, david i would jump on on that one but you can stop me if you want but so <laughs> you, you you jump on but i'll i'll be the police because i i uh we, we know this back to front so yeah. let's get this so so anthemopolis sent me a script and i read it and i I said, yeah, not for me. And 
she said, well, why why not for you? I said, well, it's just not for me. The story originally was about a bodyguard whose father dies in service of Louis XIV at a hunting lodge, and he goes to take his dad's job and then finds out he wasn't, he didn't fall off the wall. He, someone threw him off. And then it's about that. And I was like, I just, I, I'm not leaving an eye for that. I'm just, it's just not of interest to me. And she said, you know, well, what would be interest to you? And I said, uh, well, none of it. I don't really know anything about Versailles. So I don't think I'm your man, you know? And it was like, so then I started thinking about it and then I started doing some research and then I saw the hall of mirrors and I saw, you know, the orangery and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I read about, the brothers and I read about this extraordinary Philippe who was just, you know, ahead of his time in his sexuality and was allowed to get away with these things. I just, so I just wrote down an idea of a dream because what I wanted to do is that the, the palace is the promise, isn't it? The palace is, so if it was some, so I just messed around, but that was it. That's all I had. So hence a phone call. So I spoke to my aunt who's done period drama, my mother, who's a teacher and both of them says, that's a very high bar for you, Simon. <laughs> I think it's a really not a good idea. You know, I don't know. And then that kind of, I got my back up because I thought, what do you mean it's a high bar? What do you mean? I <laughs> then when I spoke to David and I went, oh, David, David, you know, and David and I met on, on, on Spooks. When I read his script, the first script wasn't the original pilot, but I was just so in love with the with the words and the writing because I knew this guy, would, this whoever wrote this is a beautiful writer. And I, I, I can't, I, I, I want to learn how to do that. Do you know what I mean? And so I brought some other, I brought some people to Spooks who were spies and we, we, that the rest was history. But he always said to me, you know, thank you so much for what you've done on Spooks and bringing these people in and bringing my madness. And, and, and I fell in love with him a minute. I, I, the first meeting I met with him, I just loved him so much. And he taught me a lot about, you know, the written word. And then he said, if there's anything I could ever do again, and, I, and he said, I got a star first. So I got a star first, you know, I never, asked, I, I never asked him for what, because <laughs> it wouldn't matter to me really, you know? And then, so when I spoke about this thing that had been sent to me by Anthemopolis and I'd written this basic opening, really, he said, Oh, what is it? I said, Oh, it's for sorry, Louis the 14th. You know, went, Oh, do you remember I got a star first? <laughs> and I was like, not that again. He went, it was for Versailles. I was like, for me at that moment, I got goosebumps and I was like, we are going to. Yeah, Paris. it was, it was, I remember where I was when we were at the, I was just like, when, when is the only time that a history graduate can monetize their degree? Is this <laughs> moment. And you have to understand when we came up through the ranks of um, writers, this wasn't for us. We weren't allowed to touch this kind of high end elite historical material that was Merchant Ivory. Merchant Ivory would do the big, proper, grown-up movies about that stuff. And, you know, you had to sort of live in contemporary as well because it was expensive. <clears throat> and then suddenly there was an inflection point, 2012, 2014, technology, tax breaks, France is looking for a sort of to own more of its stuff. Canopolis is looking to be sort of noisy in the way that they always love it. Simon's opening is just beautiful and noisy and chaotic and completely fresh air kind of way to look at history humanizes it because that's what Simon does to everything. He just goes in and finds the beating heart of something. And I'm like, this is a study in power. This is a study in uh, uh, you know, a 26 year old gets the keys to the car, but now there are 20 people in the driving seat saying, it's all right, we're going to drive this car for now. And so actually that's my car. 
can I drive that car, please? And that fight for the steering wheel is both the story of Louis XV, the story of Simon and I's journey through the creative process in general, the story of our journey through the Versailles creative process, to be frank, which is about trying to steer the car as it's being grabbed and in legitimate directions. But that's always the challenge of trying to be a creator on something is have all these variables and people and agendas and this little butterfly of an idea that you're trying to protect as it goes forward and be focused on. So suddenly there was this sort of moment where Simon and I had always wanted to work together again. And the, the world's most unlikely venue presents itself. And then we go on a little trip and go, this could be absolutely epic and crazy and about everything that we care about. And so I think, um, how do we get onto this? Oh, the, the genre. So, so these other writers as well, I have to say, this happens a lot in history in, in terms of like guild rules and stuff. It's like, this is a, a, a Writers Guild of America sort of law. And it's a, a kind of, I understand where it comes from. You know, if you write something historical and then like you write something historical and then we write something historical, it's the same people. It's not like yeah. he's Gary the 14th, right? It's Louis XIV. <laughs> Gary. I'd love to see that. So, which is our new show, by the way. We're here. <laughs> but it's, it's you know, a, there's some crossover. I, I I took a brief look at that project too, and it's like, you know, perfectly serviceable, but absolutely nothing to do with what we were trying to do. And it's only right that they got some acknowledgement in the story because they were first over the line five years previously, it's only right that that happened, but our show was night and day from yeah. what I'd seen. And Louis is this young kind of sort of guy in a crisis with this brother who's completely exploding. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you've got a show because it's about a family and it's about all the challenges that are relatable. Amazing. Yeah, it's crazy that it started that way. And now we've got Marie Antoinette, which is kind of season four. Uh, uh, Oh, uh, well, let's stop. You know, but, let's but, we, go there. but it's like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's you know, that was our original pitch, by the way. Uh, it should be stated. Our pitch was Versailles, starting with Louis XIV, moving through the Louis, getting to Nazi boots in the Hall of Mirrors. Like, this is a precinct, as Simon always eloquently said in our pitches. We have the most amazing precinct in television. And a family. And yeah. a family at heart. And what a family. What a family, exactly. Wow. It's kind of mad. It's it, it is mad. It, it, it's um, it blows my mind a little bit. The the how well, not how long it. I know how long things take, and I do. But it's it's just the how how the flower can grow and how it can how it can plant more seeds and that can grow into something else. Because I've always found it really fascinating the fact that you two adopted characters that have become iconic with Versailles, like the Fabians of the world, the Claudines, you know, the who aren't based in history at all. They are completely your creations. And like, you know, I can't imagine ever our show without a Thai Runyon as Fabian Marshall. You know, or I, Lizzie, I just, you know, I, I totally or Lizzie, I totally you know. Agree. Um and that, so like where, where at what point do you <laughs> where does that start? For writers and showrunners, where do you where does that idea like you know you know you know you've got your people that are on that portrait in Versailles, you've got the Louis, you've got the the Anne of Austria's, you've got all these people that you definitely need to incorporate in the show, and then you when when so whose idea is it to bring in? Well, the actually, if I can just step in there, I remember Simon being at your house and we were looking at. I was reading a 
book or something and we were looking at you look at one of these classic portraits and then there's a people behind them mm -hmm. there's people just at the edge of the picture like the the iceberg under the surface it's like who is who's who's the person on the wall and simon was like there's got to be a badass in this court i mean there's got to be a badass well it's also it's also it was also i wanted slightly to have i wanted to give criminal minds a, a gift which was i want a serial killer badass someone who because you know there has to be someone like that there right and then you know who can get away with being that as kind of special forces badass guy because you know david was explaining the history of the police force and the army and the standing army and bayonets and all that kind of stuff and it was just there has to be one person there who's going to do whatever he can to protect the king and and of course there were, he had thousands of people protecting louis so so ties like a thousand guys all connect because he is everything isn't he because we don't have we haven't got the money yeah to he's the stasi and you know the palace <laughs> guard and everything you always have to condense when you're when you're doing these things but if you look at the title sequence of Versailles, it's in there a little fragment of it is that you see the skulls and bones and blood and violence underneath and the foundations because any big building in our world of anything is built on generally violence and people taking stuff yeah. and fighting for it and so we wanted that to be to belong to the ground of it all. The foundation of Versailles is built on that. It was a hunting lodge, after all. For sure, for sure. And then when it comes to go on, George, you're, you're going to come to come in. No, I was just saying, wow, it's amazing. <laughs> it's like so fascinating to be able to talk to writers in this depth. You don't usually. I mean, we should really have told you this before, right? Right. I mean. I mean... <laughs> No, but I think I think I think just quickly. I think it was you know we 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 it was it was a lot of history of which David knew all the history. That, but that we always I didn't know all the history. Matthew knew all the history. I okay. I, I, well, I read. I, some you know what? Compared compared to me, <laughs> history, right? So you know a lot, but you know so so and it was okay. You know, if we're doing ten episodes, what are we aiming at? You know, what what's the long game, and how how are we going to get through to this point? And what pieces of history are we going to take? that are really, but we have to, I think, David, you said to me, we have to be respectful, but don't forget they cut all their heads off. So they, you know, there's no one left really to have a go at us. So, and or, and the French aren't going to be that, I mean, they're not, it's not like, it's not the crown, right? We're not going to get that kind of attention because there's no one around to sort of say. Well, it's also the, the French mentality of like, sure, have a go. It's like the, we know what everybody wants us to think happened because it was all written down. Matthew Davino, who was this wonderful historian yeah. and by the way greg jenner and uh, uh kate williams who were doing inside the side for the bbc thing like yeah. shout out to them because they really sort of came at it with this wonderful spirit of like they understood what we were trying to do um but matthew whose job it is to say bonton did not walk <laughs> for sure. into that door all that time uh was like uh no that wouldn't happen philippe would never have i remember we had this discussion about kicking off your shoes he comes yes. in, he kicks off his shoes. No, he yeah. wouldn't have done that. And it's like, and did you know that Louis the Fourteenth was the champion of billiards in Versailles? It's like, I bet he was. <laughs> I bet Louis the Fourteenth was number one on the call sheet um, <laughs> like with himself. of the real Versailles because that's how history is. And so I think that was part of the fun um, of the show was understanding how far, and Simon was always very sort of, liberating with sort of shaking me out of my tree a bit and going well yeah that's true 
psychologically, we know we know X happened, but we don't really know why. Nobody knows why. We can guess. Well, talking about talking about shaking out of the tree, I, I mean, George, I'm sure you've got examples of your own, but I, I always tell this story. This is kind of like the one anecdote that I tell specifically about Simon. And I, we, I've, I've seen you recently, Simon, I saw you before Christmas. And I always tell this story because it always, it was my first real um, uh, cultural shock, not, not even cultural shock. Um, I guess working with the showrunner, realizing the importance of my, of my part and, and realizing that actually things were movable was that I think you guys would, were in the process of writing five and four, five and six or five and six together or something like that. And I remember be lying on my dressing room bed and in Brisa Man and the door just flying open and Simon walks in and goes, you're going to go down on Louise de Valier. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I've never what? heard that story. Before. Have you not heard that story? He just boosts oh. down the door. You're going to go down on Louise de Valier. And I go, but, but Philippe's, Philippe, isn't Philippe gay? exactly and he just walks away <laughs> and, and i and in that moment it was my first sort of realization that like yeah you both i always know that the and i mean this in the highest regard for the pair of you you've always i've always spoken about the two of you david and simon together that you complement each other so fucking well um because you do get the historical side with the 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 let's just throw shit against the wall side you know do, do you remember that side do you remember just coming in and just booting down the door I do, but yeah, I, I, I like I, with Simon. That happens every every two weeks. <laughs> David, my bedroom. David. <laughs> we need that job. I want that. <laughs> You're going to have to go down. Uh, I was just very. I was just very. For me, um, Philippe was somebody that fitted into the narrative now for me, which was. Other than I always, we all thought of him, all of us did thought of him as David Bowie, which is that sexuality wasn't a thing. I don't, you know, he wasn't gay. He wasn't straight. He was just, he was just Philippe. And that's what I was so, I just think that his, his energy, his sexuality, his uh, love of life uh, and his relationship with his brother is what made Versailles so, made the real Versailles fa fabulous. Um, and his brother, gave him in 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 a, in a very, very different time period obviously gave him leeway and breadth to be who he kind of wanted to be and then he would ride into battle for his brother and i just thought this guy is just fucking fantastic you know and so you know but the, but the genius of what that was was also that this and at all times we were thinking of this as like how fucking hard it was to be a woman in the court of versailles and someone like louise beautifully played by sarah winter yeah. like the sense of violation and and expendability that the women were viewed with and that sort of then led, led us into this beautiful kind of i remember distinctly this moment of uh you and i were at uh which i could tell I, I know what it looks like anyway one of i think it was vo actually um and we had some minutes in the day over thanks to probably christoph schreber who who was uh um always at a million miles an hour. And we had this moment with, with, with Noemi, we had Sarah, we had Elisa, we had, every, we had sort of the women together on set. It's like, how can we take advantage of this moment to show the challenges? Like you just got to use every single fucking possible finger hold you can, every single way you can propel yourself up and, and, and sustain yourself. But I think that's really you know, it, it's it's always liberating to work with Simon Miriam because he will he will just 
throw these hand grenades into situations and and often they're just they're very benevolent hand grenades because they they make you think twice about where you are and so i think part of a size appeal i think is that energy that comes from that opposition of 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 taking history austere history dry history and throwing the big beating heart into the middle of it and these are these are young people who had all the possibilities of wealth but were you know hot-blooded and hormonal and drunk and crazy and dealing with all the shit that 20-somethings deal with in our world but just without the leverage yeah yeah for sure wow. in terms of um casting us um and talking just about that um i george i we you only did one tape right one tape for, for louis one self tape i did i did one tape we did this in the last episode so i won't bore the listeners again but i'm sure simon and david <clears throat> no but it was yeah the casting director was like this is terrible <laughs> i'm not going to send it and then a few days later i got the news but it was literally like seven, six, seven weeks before we were shooting. Yeah, we were, we, were, we, were on, we were on the wire for the king. We, <laughs> you had we run out of time. You'd no, run we out of time. Just, and was definitely, it was the great search, you know. And Yeah, yeah, of course. Was, you know, and, 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 and uh, the tape with Alex, I, I saw him. I didn't, I didn't stop it. I was just watching them. And then I think, awed. And David and Anne said, "You need to go back, you, you, because I hadn't met." And I went back, and then I spent more time with Alex, and I realised, "Oh, there he is." Yeah, I find yeah. I, I that it, it blows my mind to this day that that one tape gets us probably mine and George's, you know, for me especially the biggest job that I've that I've that I've had, you know, in terms of it, it just and and. And in terms of your instinct, the, the pair of you, like how 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 quick is that decision? How how and also how easy is that decision to pass through? Because I just want to throw in an extra question here: someone like Anna Brewster, to say right, she's not prominent in season one as a character. Montespan becomes Madame de Montespan in season two and season three, but you have to you have to cast someone. And by we only had episode one and two by this point. You know where Montespan's going because you both know where the story's going, but that's a huge leap on one tape to cast someone like Anna Brewster, who ends up turning out to be a magnificent Montespan. But that's a risk, no? For the two of you? Well, it's all a risk, isn't it? I mean, it's it's really the the sense of finding again, that's what I go back to from the beginning. It's like you're not just casting somebody, you're not casting AI to do the to be a certain way. You're casting a human being that you can see through the tape. I mean, that's the thing, by the way, like you sort of see glimpses of the person inside the scene before the scene even starts, how they're interacting with everybody. Like it's, it's, that's why I like for any actress, like you have to be yourself and then you have to be the character and the combination of those two on a show like this, which requires longevity, you're not, I mean, Simon, you can jump in, but like even with, with when you're auditioning writers, when you're hiring writers for a room, maybe the absolute 120 percent person who is unable to function in a group may not be the best person for the group the best the best flavor for the show has to work on all kinds of different levels and sometimes then you get into gut and then you get into simon and i looking at each other and nodding or not or feeling like or being challenged and going hang on we've been looking at this all wrong or you know because you have a view in your mind that's what i mean 
throughout my career, I would say that I've had a very specific look in my head about how every single word that I've written looks and every single thing that I've ever done looks different because <laughs> guess what? Human being comes and brings their own stuff and then it becomes better. And then there's only one way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, so, for, yeah, it I, is the, this small articulation board. Sorry. No, no, no. I just, you know, I'd, I'd come from Coral Mind, so I'd been in a casting room every week for years and years and years. And and and, and it was a different kind of casting because we had our main cast and every week we'd cast for another 30p, 40 people, whatever, for the episode, you know, and it was a very particular type of show and, you know, horrific in places and stuff. So, you know, but I got to sit there with you guys. I, it was just, a, it was tapes. You know, I'm, I'm looking at tapes. I've got, to, I've got to decide on these two tapes, you know, and I'm not, you know, at least with, with, with normally in a car, so you give someone a note, you know, yeah. even the wrong note, you want to see if they're going to take the note. But so we're, it's, it's just all, it's all on these two, these two characters. And, and, and then, and then, and then looking at you and going, this is the long game. This is where they start. This is their arc. This is where they, they're going to be in the middle. And this is where it's going to be. In, and there's going to be, and a lot of what we're going to write and the heaviness of it. I was thinking about this the other day is these boys and everybody in there, but particularly these Louis and, and Philippe are going to go home every day with these words. And they're like mantras. If you, if you practice something every single day, it starts to get inside you and it starts to affect your your, your normal life. So there's no way that's it, it, not going to affect you in, in your personal lives, you know, and then you're going to bring your personal lives back to your characters. And these two brothers are probably not going to get on in, in, in the real life. And in, in, in the moment, because they're stuck, they're like, you're ready, you've got a band and at times it's going to get difficult and it's going to get tetchy. And, and I don't like the way you're doing that. Or I don't like the way you're looking at me. It's all this stuff I know is coming down the pipe and it's, you know, and, and so that's the part that you don't know that's exciting for me. So just to talk, you know, in terms to go back to you, you're going to go down on somebody. It, it, I didn't. It was it, it was a little bit more in thought out than that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, also I completely know, threw you in front of the bus there. No, so. but it was like, but it's just like there's there's because because that worries me because because I, I I was very concerned about the sexuality. I was very concerned about the nature because the. The sexuality of it really sells, but also, and I got to be honest about this, and I think people aren't always honest about this, is when you're casting, you're also looking for people that are good looking. You you just are, you know. It's like does that person go? And I hate that. I hate that. Uh, you know, you've got to look at this person for ten episodes, twenty episodes, or in cruel minds, sixteen years. Some of them are being on there, mm. so you know. And then we, you start getting to looks and stuff. And I'm like, you know, yeah, the, and everyone looked fantastic. Everyone looked great, and and look right for the part, but it was just the characters that we hadn't met, that we hadn't really written out yet, that we were all going to go on this journey together. You know, that was the, that was the that's the exciting part, and and that was um, thankfully we got it one hundred percent right. Yeah, and do you want to spend do you want to spend three with these people? Four yeah. years with these yeah. people. And uh, don't forget, I mean, Noemi Schmidt, Henriette, I mean, she, we fought for her. Simon, in particular, we were like. She had this anecdote about cycling across Switzerland on her own on a bike. Yeah. That she was just chatting. And you just see this kind of innocent, like, that's what I mean about you don't know where the decision comes from because she's obviously very, very talented, but there's an extra bit that yeah. you're given as a, as, a, as a producer. You just go, 
It's it's also it's also it's you're right. It's not it's not just she had a talent. It was because she came in. She read for a maid, and then she took her hair down. And she was chatting away, and, I, and then she said, "Oh, I I I, I climb mountains, and I ride bikes, and I and I, and I suddenly went." If we're aiming uh, at this character at having her dying in the way that she dies, this girl has got the courage for that. You know, she, yeah. I, I, she's got the courage to do that, but she doesn't know that. And that's that's the part which is difficult is seeing you guys and seeing cast and 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 I know we know you've got the courage to do it. Well, we hope you have, but that's what I'm listening to. I'm looking, have they got the fortitude to come every day? And apply themselves to this yeah. insane circus that we all put together. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so sorry for interrupting this wonderful episode with David Wilson Croft and Simon Mirren, but we at the Conversations headquarters wanted to let you know that we now have a Patreon. Yes, finally. So, if you Versailles family members wanted to support us, all you need to do is go to www.patreon.com, go into the search bar and type in Con Versailles Shuns. And then you can support us because podcasts aren't cheap to make. But anyway, um, enough about me. Go to patreon.com, conversations, and now go back to the podcast. Okay. Um, no, I, uh, I've got a bit of a, a curveball for um, casting and the anecdote on, on Simon's point. Oh, no. I, I think only Simon might know this anecdote. I, I'm, I can't imagine that he wouldn't have told David. And maybe he also told you. Um, maybe but, we know uh, what you're going to say. Maybe I we don't. <laughs> I've got, um, go. got to go now. You got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, but on your, on your point about like looking at, these, I was 24. I was 24 years old when you cast mm. me as Louis. Mm. And on your point about courage, <laughs> I, we were, I think we were shooting episode three or four, of season one. Mm. And I pulled, <laughs> we were on location in a garden. I was doing a scene with Jacques. Mm. And I pulled Simon aside, who was on set. And as confident as I've ever, like, I obviously wasn't. I was a, insecure wreck at the point i said you've got this wrong <laughs> he was like what what do you mean it's like you've cast us the wrong way round." <laughs> yeah and he was like what do either of you know this story i know it. i david <laughs> um i've never i've never i don't think i've ever told you this alex but i i was like I was such a ball of like, uh, I'm not capable of this. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've been thrown into something that I'm, I'm just, I'm never going to be able to see this through. Um, and that's why you were cast because, uh, Louis the 14th had imposter syndrome up the wazoo yeah. and he did his best to get out of it. And yeah. you're unfortunately for you, George, your psychological struggle on set every day was the correct struggle. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and, you know, with hindsight and age and experience, now you learn, of, of course, you look back on it with such perspective and you go, of course, it's genius and everything is so wonderful to hear how you're expressing your side of the coin, you know, and, and looking at people and 
going, yeah, you know, we're casting you for the human beings that you are. And we want to see that emotional journey that you go on. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I often think of that moment and go, God bless him. I mean, imagine <laughs> being this man who's created this thing and you've like given this responsibility to this guy and he's just, he's walked up to you on your set. <laughs> nah, you, you've, you've fucked this up, mate. Honestly, I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, I cannot believe you didn't fire me on the spot. Like, well, I mean, how could I? And why would I want to? And, and, and it was the right question to ask. Oh, my God. Because, like, you know, because you know that story about, you know that story about the Falklands War and everything. And, and that, to me, I will never forget that moment because I realised that, you were meant to be here. I'm very, 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 very. I'm not. Re- I'm not religious, but I'm very into story gods. I'm. I do believe. I, I want to. Just jump in because I think I. I don't know this story about the Falcons yeah. thing. So I'd love yeah. you. Can you? Can would do you mind? George? It's a long one. Though. It's such a long one. It's such. Can, can a, you? Can you give me the? Give me the. Give me the. The top trumps versions of it. I don't know the, the high points. Uh, is it? is yeah. it, uh, it's hard because it, it. It. So um, David once asked me we were talking about how we got into storytelling. David asked me about that. And I just said, there were a number of things. One was a friend of mine having a, a, a motorbike accident. The other one was a friend of mine went to Falklands war and he was a Marine and he was checking in. Uh, he was at Port Stanley and all the, Mar- all the Argentinians were told to come in and drop their weapons. This one young man wouldn't just yes, one man wouldn't drop his weapons and, and he had a bag on him and he was carrying it. And Thomas, his sergeant said, he looked, he just walked past the checkpoint and he grabbed this, guy and said you know drop the bag drop the bag and this argentinian soldier refused to do it so uh in the end he grabbed the bag and he looked at it and basically uh a captain in the in the argentine army stepped out in english and in perfect english said what seems to be the problem he spoke to his private and then the captain starts crying and he said that he's it's his brother he's carried his brother back from goose green from about the goose green uh, he promised his mother he'd bring his brother home. Well, and you that's that's in wait, the side. That's, well, that's what you, this, yeah. this is what you're about to find out. So I I my friend told me this just he just come back to Forks and he didn't want to talk about it. He started sobbing and he said to me this is this is what happened and i'm coming back a hero of the falklands and i've got more in common with the enemy than i do with you they're my brothers they know what i've just been through and i was like i never forgot that and i was like my god anyway so i told david that and i said that was one of the stories years ago you know and then and then i had he hadn't really told me about particularly for science the staff first he got on it so 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 i wrote a story about that and then and then um and then when the script came and I was like this about a bodyguard, I was like, I'm not interested. And I had a dream about the Hall of Mirrors and, and I really, it really hit me. So I thought, well, I'll write the first 15 pages about a young guy who has a dream and then wakes up. He's actually had a wet dream and then Bon Tomps wipes some sperm off him, which I just thought no one's ever going to fucking film this. <laughs> They did. <laughs> and um, anyway, like rule number I one have... of screenwriting is like write the thing they're never going to film because generally it's the more. Yeah. Also, I, have, sure. I had zero because we had to rewatch episode one before the first episode of this. I had zero memory. Zero memory. <laughs> like my mind had clearly just like zero memory blocked all of yeah. that sequence. So, yeah. So then, so then, so then 
so that when 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 David said, "Oh, you know, I studied for I was like, "There's something's happening here. There's something I'm meant to be here." And he actually, David was never going to really. He, I didn't think David would ever want to work with anybody else. He would create his own show, and there he was. I'll come and work with you. I said, "No, we we'll do this together, absolutely," because you know it'd be brilliant. Anyway, so then, so then that happens, and then I think on the first day ever of filming for Sai, when when we had to put George into your costume, and it was all a bit of a nightmare. But then all of a sudden, because there was the lighting wasn't there, and all of a sudden the clouds lit up, and the sun came through, and it was crazy. And and I was I was it with you in the room. Uh, telling you we had like five minutes to go, and you could you've got like one take of this, and you were like, so no, so no pressure then. And then you <laughs> you came out and you stood with your back to us, right, David? And then you turned around, and you just fucking nailed it. It was like, oh my god, he's nailed it. It was also that two hundred ninety nine years that day that, right. to when Louis had died. So I was like, well, this is another thing. This is another thing, you know. And then so coming all the way up to um so i so i'd done so i'd done some research on the falklands and i did some research am i allowed to tell this story george yeah 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 i mean i did some research i did some research after that about the battle and 300 paratroopers raced to goose green they had to take goose green if they didn't take goose green we lose the war the sas had told them there's going to be you know 600 or, or or less soldiers there argentinians and, and 300 guys could do it. Like 300 guys took off led by a guy called Colonel H. Jones. I hope I get this right, George, because your dad's not going to be happy if I get it wrong. Colonel H. Jones takes these men across this barren wasteland. They get there, they walk for a, a week or so, and they get there. There's 1,200 Argentinians all linked up in, in the rocks, and they've they got machine gun nests. And Colonel H. Jones realises the only way they're going to get through is if somebody takes out this particular machine gun. He runs up with a couple of guys. He gets mortally wounded. He throws, hang, he throws himself with hand grenades and blows everybody, blows them up relieving a bit of an area for them to go up but now they go back now you got 299 guys by the way if i'm getting this wrong i do apologize so so there's oh. a young man there who uh suddenly finds himself in charge of these guys and he's got to lead these guys up and he's like 18 19 years old this is his first ever conflict and one of the one of the one of the things he has to do is fix bayonets which is louis the 14th created bayonets so here they are. Here's this young man, 18, 19 years old, and he's got to do this. And he led these men up. And what occurred was one of something people don't want to speak about. It was one of the most brutal battles in the Falklands history, probably one of the most brutal battles since the First World War. It was horrendous. They won, you know, and all the rest of it. So so I was always, I was always just the fact that my mate had told me this story, and then I'd done some research here, and I did a lot of it. I was always, I'm being obsessed with the Falklands anyway. So then David comes to me and he said, listen, you know, do you remember that story you told me? I went, yeah, about the brother in, in Falklands. He said, I want to put that in an episode. I went, I don't know, man. I, you know, David, it's a story God moment. It's like it was given to me in someone's pain. I, and I, I can't just take that. And he said, I think he'd be all right with it. I think we should do it. I think just let me write it. Please let me write it. Because there's this battle in it where Philippe goes off to battle, mm. you know, looking yeah, yes yeah. and then suddenly sees this soldier walking back with a foot out of the top of his bag and he goes what are you doing now that's my brother i promised him to take him home and i was like so and and the only person i would ever trust with a story god in any in, in my life ever is david so i went do it do it and i and i just and when i read it i was it was just extraordinary so now meanwhile 
um George has been in the gym. He's fighting with this lunatic, amazing thing. He's becoming, he's coming, he's now, he's now had 12 rounds and he's starting. There he is. Now moving differently. I go to hit him. He's ducking, you know, I never went to hit him. But with <laughs> outside, standing outside this uh, uh, Parc de Sioux and, and, and there's a thousand candles and there's a full moon. And it's all just, it's just like I'm standing going, I've just, this is one of those moments you have to stop. And you have to breathe it in and you have to thank whoever is in your life in the world that you're there. And then George says to me, I just want to ask about this scene. You know, I got some notes about this scene. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure. Where's this come from? So I told him the story about how David and I met, about all that. And and I said, and then this particular scene, I didn't want to use. It's David wanted to use it, but this is it. So I tell him this story mm. about this Argentinian and my friend, um, who stopped this guy, Thomas Arkley, his name is. And Thomas Arkley was an actor then. He actually came back from the Falklands and and his girlfriend, Liz Hurley, at the time, oh. uh, if you want to stay with me, you're going to have to leave the, the Marines. And he wanted to go on. So he ended up leaving the Marines. Anyway, so just giving a shout out to Thomas. And um, and so I said to George, this is, this is a story. It's a story God moment. And these things come along. And so I tell him the story. And he's standing there and he starts to go a bit pale. And he what? said, why, why, why are you doing this? You were, you were specifically telling me the story of Goose Green. We, we, we got on to courage, funnily enough, the thing that you, and you were talking I about. Said, that's right. I yeah, said, and you were saying, like, is... you were actually telling me, what was really mental was that you, was, you were saying, uh, the thing that Louis needs in this scene is like the kind of courage that this like 19 year old guy had at the Battle of Goose Green. And that's when, yeah, sorry. But no, it was I, particularly. Yeah, and I, and I, I went, that's, that's a warrior, that's a soldier, but more importantly, that's a leader. That's a king of men. That's someone everyone wants to fucking be. You know, the Colonel H. Jones has gone down and he's it's just there he's got to do it and he does it. And George is looking at me, he said, You why are you doing that? You can't know that. And I said, What? He said, That guy was my dad. And I was like, What? He said, The person you're talking about is my father. That's not possible. So then I started linking all of these things, all these things, all the way back to Spooks and David. And and I was just like, holy cow. I mean, and I don't, I'm like, you know what? David did it as well. He put this scene, it just all yeah. of it was just felt very, very strange to me. And um, I, so I said, well, now the scene has a different meaning. For sure, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, all the little moments of kismet all the way through the show. Uh, were quite um, profound, it must be said. And, you know, maybe in life you just, when you go looking for these things, but I don't, not in my experience, I would say that there was just something very magical about the synchronicity of it all and how, uh, you know, you don't incorporate stories like that lightly unless they have meaning and are sort of honoured. You know, you're not, yeah. you're not allowed to exploit, you just have to integrate if it, if the end result is is better than what it was before, if if this you know this act of courage and this or this tragedy, or an act of loyalty, a pure loyalty, <clears throat> and so all the way through, I just sorry to get mundane again, but it just it reminded me of, of sort of the um like in terms of like the entire show, like when you say we're doing a show in Versailles. The first thought is the whole of mirrors. Everybody would go, ooh, all of mirrors. Yeah. 
The second thought that Simon and I have is, oh, he built that much later. Yeah, <laughs> We can't go there. We have to be like, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's the crown, but it's when it was a field before. It's like, okay, Buckingham Palace is a field. So I think that's part of the, the extraordinary thing is that sort of Simon's sort of vision to open it in the Hall of Mirrors as this dream of a king that becomes the wet dream of a king and having George there in these moments and then the clouds. Do you remember this? We were filming and it was cloudy and then it was sunset and then the clouds just bing and it was just like cue sun. Yeah. It, it was just this moment and then you were in the middle of this like live theatre experience that we've got one take. We've got <laughs> six minutes. Don't fuck up. Yeah. And it's like, no, no pressure, George, no pressure. Yeah. But I mean, it's like that, that's what brings out great performances. And I'm sorry that, that you're capturing lightning in a bottle at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go on, George. No, I was just, uh, yeah. Extraordinary moment. Like, it's, um, in terms of, um, moments, there's, I, I always remember David, that you, there was one thing that you said to me very early on. Well, I wouldn't say very early on, like halfway through season one. Um, I was very drunk then, but go on. Okay, great. He already knows. <laughs> um, he already knows what Alex. So there was, there was a. St- you said something to me where, um, where it's, it's always stuck. It's always stuck by me. I've, I've actually said it in countless interviews. But when I was doing press for Versailles, you know, like long after both of you had had, had sort of uh, departed the show. You know, we was doing press for season three. But there was this thing about you said to me that I worked best when I was vulnerable. Correct. And I, and 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 that I needed to be in a, and I didn't quite realize it that either I was bringing in, I just come off Broadway with with Kenneth Branagh, and I was coming in with maybe a sort of a theatrical baggage, but there was the sense with especially with Philippe and with me, and I don't know if Simon, if you'll agree, but there was a sense that I had to be that whether you did it purposefully or whether that it was something that I was bringing in and we were meeting halfway or whether it was something from like a Jaleel or a Daniel Roby or any of the directors, whatever that there was a sense that for me specifically get Alex into a place of precarious porcupine. I felt I was always kind of, you know, in a, in a state of vulnerability and then, and then Philippe would, would, would shine, but I always remember you saying that to me outside a trailer. You like you work best when you're vulnerable, which is always such a well, weird. Well, yes, because I mean, because every artist works when they're vulnerable. Because if you're putting up protections, then you're not in full flow of your true expression, in my opinion. And so, you know, the blood on the page as a writer is real blood, and the blood on the screen is yours. Because as an actor, you are incredibly vulnerable and isolated. Everybody's looking at you, and you still have to be you afterwards. And when yeah. it's not going well, or you've got other things coming into your life but we'd always say alex is coming in hot here he comes that's and why i like, remember you saying that and remember. so it's like he's coming in hot and then it's like well we need to channel this because it's in everybody's interest that this ends up on screen yeah there was, it's there not was a manipulation i would say because that's how you're feeling we were we were there to catch you we're it's always it's- there to catch you but you're like okay I was wind the key and point me in the right direction. For sure. There was moments where like, I think uh, not from no fault of your own, but it was the first ADs that you brought me in very, very early on the day. And it was when you spent the whole day filming wolves with George on the clifftop. And I was sat in a trailer for about about eight hours. And then suddenly I got, we had, there was one of the most important scenes, you know, it's the the hunting lodge scene, what Versailles, that whole scene. And you spent, Jaleel spent about eight hours filming wolves. And then I got brought in and you guys were like, 
we got 45 minutes to get this. And I was fucking furious because I was like, you can't do this to me. And then what's on screen is a, is a sense of furiousness, you know? It's, you it's, can't do this to me. <laughs> you can't do this to me. It's exactly that. Film the subtext. That's the goal of, of filming a story is you film what's going on underneath the words. So For sure. Um, sure. But certainly no, no deliberate harm, like no actors were harmed in the making of the show. Yeah. It's like it, with the best yeah. of intentions, you just have to go to the place that, that's the most, um, that has the most primary color, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've always, oh, I was just going to say, I've always thought that like your job, what was asked of you over three seasons was uh, so, I've, I've sort of thought of like, the trajectories of our characters and you know it's kind of a gift for an actor to build a character right if you start um in a very vulnerable place or you know uh insecure place that david simon wanted to create this boy king that became a man and you you had to start with a character who was like bang from the get-go do you know what I mean? and philippe's journey was um, louise louise journey was a very simple kind of graph in terms of growth acceleration going from boy king to maniacal um you know dictator almost by the end of season three but with philippe like to take a character over 30 hours and be asked to start at 80 or 100 yeah. you know what i mean it's it's hard to make that human being interesting don't you think guys i mean i like i, I think it's a very on. good point it's you definitely your starting points were both diametrically polar, polar opposite yeah, right? yeah and and uh you know but your relationship was the sort of anchor of how to navigate that because your relationship is then both as always in flux so it's like that's well the, dave yeah. David, you said in a, I think in a, in a making of, I think for season one DVT, um, that the season one, if I had like a, a sort of bell curve middle title would be called The Brothers. You know, that that's, yeah. you, you actually said that. Um, me and George to- spoke, to, spoke about this in the last episode. We were both, and probably for the best, for the, for the better, were unaware of how much season one would actually be relying on us. Uh, not relying on us as actors, but that Philippe and Philippe and uh, Louis would be the the skeleton, the the heartbeat of the show, because we only really had episode one and two to 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 read, and it, it wasn't it had elements of that, but I I don't think we both George, do you remember? We don't we talked about it. We didn't realize how much of the drum of the the brothers that you would be hitting, you know, metaphorically. Well, these uh, guys are obviously geniuses. Sorry, David, but I also like to to go back to the point of um, what you were talking about. You know, writing for television. I think I imagine. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the joyous thing of writing for television must be that uh, you end up on set with characters and you've not finished their story, so you can you can absorb uh all of these details that you're getting fed back from these human beings on set and suddenly incorporate that into story because i mean casting like you both said is like such a risk 
And, you know, what if we were two weeks into the shoot in 2014 and we just didn't have that thing that we ended up having? Well, so many jobs, you know, it's 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 really the, the beauty of runs that are 10 episodes and longer is that you are able to take advantage of the people you're working with, mm. play to their strengths. And even when there are weaknesses or vulnerabilities, then they are human dimensions that you can incorporate. I mean, that's in, in and and, you know, and the thing for me, I would say more than anything else that the the marvel that the show was, was seeing you guys, everybody in the cast, but particularly sort of the our, our main cadre of, of the of, of the center, uh, measure perfectly the moment that we've chopped, we've chopped up this massive, you know, I'm trying to think yeah. of a metaphor as I've got a cake, but it's not a cake, it's like a meal. And it's like, okay, you're gonna have your aperitif at the end, and you're going to have your main course for <laughs> breakfast, and then you're going to have this, and it's like how to see what, what, seeing how an actor can actually all of all of you guys on on, on the side to, to to see the art and the precision of bringing emotion measured in such a way that it, then when we're putting it together and assembling it, it's like oh my god, that that is the genius of you guys and honestly everybody in in, in the cast that we saw because it was. It's a monster. This thing is a monster. And then it flows happily after all this work. But it's parachuting into a scene, 9 a.m., 6 a.m., you know, the grandeur of Versailles, but everybody's exhausted. And it's, you know, there's been an, an embouteillage on the periphery. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get to the set. You know, so it's, and you're, you've been in hair and makeup for 47 hours as well. Um, we and should, um, we should we should wrap it up in the, in a bit, but I um celebrating ten years, celebrating. Thank you both for being on this podcast with me and George. It's been such a wonderful thing. I, I the question that I want to ask you is, the, and this as an individual that you can't defer your answers to either or writer. Um, Simon, I want to start with you. What do you think the legacy is of the side? What do you, in in the grand scheme of maybe your work, um, uh, both of your works together, and in terms of just period dramas or you know i know we don't want to call it a period drama but dramas in general like where's what is the legacy of versailles well i mean you know the legacy personally for me is very different because it, you know i have my own career uh my my own career ambitions and i want to do something that that i i was beyond me i i like things that scare me um i left criminal minds early and I left a few, I never really stayed around for very long and anything other than that. But I like, cause I like to challenge myself. I like to take really big risks and swings for things. And, and that's just who I am. I think that's what a storyteller, whether you're a poet, an artist, a dancer, the, the, the things that, that scare you most are things that you should do personally. And that scared the shit out of me. But I had a brother from another in David who had the artistry and uh, education and elegance that I didn't really possess. I'm sort of, oh yeah, you're going to go down on her, all right. And then, um, but it taught me so many things, you know. And um, for me, it was about not not doing a his not doing a period drama. And David put that brilliantly. You know, we wanted to sort of pull the curtains away, the the, the period curtain away, and 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 you know, there are scenes that David constructing in there 
particularly with the girls in the mirror that looks like they're looking at iPhones. And I wanted I wanted the sexuality of Philippe to affect people's lives differently, uh, regardless of how tricky it could have been when we're making it. But, you know, to particularly now LBGTQ and all of that, I just think it was a wonderful. I'm very proud of that. I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will say it, this is not, accurate way nearly accurate enough to what happened but i but so many people come to me and and they're just they're they're transported into a time that they feel they can relate to and they love it and they love it in a way that's modern um and uh, and i'm really proud of it and i'm really proud that we took the risks we took with you too with everybody you know all the i wish we could go through through them now you know Stuart, yes i agree i agree yeah yeah Tom's. You know, see, he was he was such a uh, he was very important to both of you. You know, as a, as a Scottish warrior, you know that he yeah, was a actor, and he he held you both very strong and held you, you know, carried you as well, and he was great. So you know, so the legacy is I'm it's, it's something I'm very very proud of. Um, it was difficult. It was, uh, um, but um, you know, the experiences of you guys are just is more sort of that's personal to me. That's that's my. I don't need to talk about that. There's so many other things we could talk about, but. You know, it was such a deeply, profoundly, wonderful experience. And in all my years, I'm going to say I, I got Versailles. We got Versailles. We played in Versailles every Monday. We got to dress up and we got to be fucking brilliant Yeah, at times, you know. And it was just nuts. I just stood there. This is crazy. This is extraordinary. And uh, so, you know, and I don't really care really what, what anyone thinks now of it. It's just I'm just I'm happy I was there and. Um, it's I'm a very it's a legacy I'm very proud of. Amazing, David. Yeah. Um, uh, no legacy. No, yes, a massive <laughs> legacy. Um, I would say number one, number one, what Simon said. Just uh, Simon and I. Just uh, 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 I love Simon so much. He's such a wonderful human and a brilliant writer and an amazing producer. And I just considered it a, an honor to be next to him and to have this crazy adventure i'd say meeting you guys all of you and you're all i'm just i i'm not going to turn my monitor but you're i see you every day because of the posters in my office so i say hello every morning to oh. you all and so it's it's beautiful there's Stuart, there's naomi there's there's anna and there's ty and and there's evan and it's it's kind of it's a it was just a wondrous thing to do i would say that Personally, obviously, I met my wife. I had this added benefit. She wasn't part of the show, but through the rigmarole of doing a show and living in Paris, I met the woman of my dreams and the love of my life. And so I felt there's nothing but love and affection I could feel for the show like that. Um, I would say that in terms of uh, like French TV, we hit a high watermark. We made a lot of things possible. We literally changed the tax regime, as far as I'm aware, yeah. uh, and, and made, we were sort of this inflection point for European drama. I mean, it was going to do it all on its own as well, but it was nice to be the bridgehead. Um, and I would say that the big takeaway for me was uh, it's really hard work coming from Hollywood, where there's certain laws of physics, into French production laws of physics, which are different. And there's a sort of exchange rate of the things that you depend on and the things that uh, fall away. And it's very challenging. And it's I always describe the actual production process of Versailles running up the Matterhorn in flip-flops. It's not 
recommended. You'll probably hurt yourself. And at the end of it, you'll get these weird muscles that nobody else in the world will have. It's like, why are your calves like that? So it's because I ran up the matter one in flip-flops. Um, and there's a word that we heard in the early days of Versailles. Um, uh, it was a sort of long-term joke. In French, there's no word for impossible. It's bad possible. There's no impossible. It doesn't exist. But several times we heard the word impossible. We can't do that. There's no way we can do that. We had these dreams, like Louis had dreams, but we we're getting hit back for legitimate reasons, but that doesn't generally stop us. And uh, the idea that we did it has reconfigured the word impossible for me because I've been through some very challenging times recently and I know the world has. And whenever I sort of look and my friends have, I sort of, look at this sense of impossible or not impossible. And it's like, I look at the poster every day. I said, well, we did that. We brought all these people together. Everybody worked so hard and gave so much. And in the face of impossible, it still happened. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just want to really, I have to say this. David's got the book open. And we, I said, we, we just need, we need one of those scenes, you know, we need, we just need something, man. You know, it's just, for to aim at what's the cliffhanger of one you know we're just looking searching and and years ago i told david about a, something that happened when we were doing spooks and it was it be and david i looked at david i told him this story about a deep deep fat fryer situation and and this happened and it was horrific and david looked at me and he and he and, they, and, and he just nodded and i did we only been there a day or something and then i went if you deep fat fry one of the leads in this show i mean it all bets are off and, and but you did you did that in episode one i believe of spooks two two, two. so i apologize, apologize. David, I, I i just i promise you and and then when when i when i read what he did i was like i just knew i knew right then that we that the, the, the storytelling had changed that this is going to be major mm. if they if the bbc don't say don't do this and then um Anyway, so I sit there and he, and he looks at me, he looks up at me, that same look when I mentioned this horrendous deep, this uh, deep fat fry, he looks at me and he said, we've got it, read it, read this. I went, no, read it out to me. I <laughs> 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 said, no, you, anyway, so we start reading this story about this young black girl and how she was born to in 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 the situation and how she was 100 people in masks look and this black baby this girl is born and i was just like i was just i've never forget i looked at david and i was like oh we've got a show i mean <laughs> and, and and i went that's is that's it isn't it and he said that's the act out of one and i went no one's gonna see this coming i mean it, because everyone's gonna go what is this show about yeah I said, but more importantly, it's true. It's true, isn't it? It's true. And we looked at it. We looked at it. And then I realized, wow, it's like Louis XIV allowed this child to live. That was just, if that's true and in the book, it's true and everything. I was just like, that moment, that, I'll never forget that moment. We were in downtown. No, we, where were we? I can't remember where we were. Where are you? Yeah, that's at in your house head. at the breakfast bar. And, and, and I just was just, I just, in that moment, I knew that was it. We were going to Paris because if, if, 
if we stick this, if they go with this, if they read this, if the producers read this and they actually allow this, because it's so insane, but it's so perfect. It's so brilliant. And it just underscores the point about the deep fat fryers. After that, you don't know where you, all bets are off. For sure. You're, you're telling the audience we are, we are not, it's not safe. This yeah. is not and I, and I felt like that was that was one of the best. That was single. Well, it was a sense of like control freak. Louis has pulled everything together, and there's absolutely no nothing now can stop him. I've solved. I put out every fire. I've solved every problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what it said in the script, but it was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> amazing. Um, uh, um, but yes, listen. Uh, I want to say thank you so much to the pair of you for coming on the show. Um, we have our next guest is at the wonderful Anna Bruce. So we're going to go into episode two. We're going to go do a, do a deep dive of every single episode, but yeah, from the, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much to having the voices and the magicians and the maestros of our wonderful show be on our podcast. Huge pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having us. Lovely to see thank you. Thank you so so much, guys. It, it's it means so much to us, honestly. I mean, yeah. I, this is, honestly, this podcast is like therapy for me. I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> I'm just letting everyone know I'm gonna do yeah. it in thirty hours of therapy. Actually, you know what? That legacy is the fandom as well. All, all the Versailles fans. Yeah. that's something yeah. that's worth saying. Very important to say. Just the the absolute loyal, passionate people who uh, stood behind the show every step of the way has been magnificent it's just for us as well it's been you know like this there's versailles conventions now you know that like we mean you know we, we meet up in paris and and meet wonderful fans who have been following us with art and pictures and just the most it's 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 the gift that keeps on giving it really really is you know so it's just but yeah and this podcast is the one way of giving back to them i guess so yeah anyway listen thank you so so much david wolstercroft and simon merrill yeah. woohoo